0: From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast.
1: It is group therapy for the paranormally affected.
0: Phone number to call in, 855-853-4802 with your Real Ghost Stories. We would absolutely love to hear them. Of course, you can always write in to us on the website, RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, or comment on our forum section. Lots of ways for you to uh, communicate with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you've not done so yet, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Uh, and those folks get an extra podcast every single week because they are helping support our show. There are hard costs involved with giving the show to you free every single day of the week. And as a thank you, we give our EPPs an extra episode every week. It's only five bucks a month or you can do 10 or you can do 15. I just say whatever you feel the show is worth to you. If you listen frequently, it's a great way to help uh, put a little wind in our sails and keep the show afloat. So you become an EPP. and can visit the website at Real Ghost Stories Online on today episode, your calls, your emails, your real ghost stories, and uh, to kick off the show, we're going to talk with author MJ Peter here in just a few seconds. He is uh, author of the uh, book Ghosty Leaks, 13 Terrifying Tales Leaked from the Other Side. And actually, uh, we have talked about one of his uh, stories on the past here uh, on the show, And I'm I'm trying to go into my mind and dig deep into the details of the story. Uh, Is it coming to you or should we ask him more of those details and it'll come back?
1: Oh, each of these stories sticks with me. I remember this one because it was one of the first um, shows that I did with you. Okay. And it was about a murdered um, police officer Mm -hmm. over in the UK. And... um, that had happened a a long time ago was a really horrific type of murder as if any murder is not horrific but as he was going down the uh as mj was going down this lane there was this mystery fog that kind of came out and he went through it and Ah, and then he did some research into the area so yeah it was a great great story
0: i remember that ghost i need like just a couple lines of the story then it all comes back it's like like two words doesn't quite get it for me i'm not good like that but uh, joining us uh, right now from the uk is mj peter matt how are you
2: I'm, I'm fine. It's great to be on the show. Thank you for
0: having me. It is uh, great to have you here. We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's uh, 8.30 Central in the United States as we record this episode. What do you got over there?
2: It's uh, half two in the morning, so lots lots of coffee for me.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Well, thank you for <laughs> staying up to talk to us. Yes.
0: You are most welcome. <laughs> we, uh, we really do appreciate it. Do you listen to us when you go to bed at night?
2: I do. I listen <laughs> all the time, actually. I, I've sort of got it on my phone so when i'm ironing my daughter's shirts or you know mm-hmm. pottering about the house it, it's on in some form or another yeah
0: <laughs> well we really appreciate that does it ever give you nightmares or are you like me where you're like actually kind of find peace by listening to ghost stories at night
2: I yeah i really like them I, i'm one of these people that I, I quite like to be scared that's why i do a lot of the things that i that i do um so whilst they're, they're frightening, I think, yeah, it, it's the enjoyment I get out of it that is the, the thing that keeps me coming back.
0: Well, we appreciate you listening to the show and uh, your new book, Ghosty Leaks. Am I saying that correctly? Ghosty Leaks?
2: Yeah. It, it's like a play on uh, WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. So um, that's what I thought. Okay. okay. Okay.
0: So so take me back here a little bit. What what inspired the book and its 13 tales uh, leaked from the other side?
2: Well, I was actually writing two other books, Mm -hmm. um, about uh, the paranormal. One of them was a collection of, uh, experiences that had happened to me whilst collecting kind of cursed relics, haunted Mm -hmm. items, things connected to, to the paranormal in one way or the other. Okay. Um, and while I was writing that book, um... I just felt that I had to get these other ideas out of my head. And it was strange because w- with each thing that I collected, it, um, it sort of spurred me on to write about that individual item, but in more than a, a, a real way, in a, in a story kind of way. Okay. And to give an example, um, the second story in my book is called The Jolly Coven. And it's about, uh, it's about a witch. And w- when I wrote that story, I actually had um, a famous witch's robe in my office. Um, the guy's name was Alex Sanders. And he, he's probably one of the most famous witches of the last, you know, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, had his own following... And his own sort of strand of 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 witchcraft. Um, it was called the Alexandrian movement. And I managed to track down this 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 robe, which was quite a creepy thing to to have in the house. Yeah. Um, and as I was writing about that, I felt compelled to to put this other story together. Okay. And you you know how you sometimes say that does doing the show make make things happen around, you know? Does does having an involvement in the paranormal bring things on?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, I started to wonder if, it, was it all in my head? Was it just inspiration or was there something more to it? And I was able to put these incredible stories together Um each time I came across something really strange, and you know I've got lots of really odd relics. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, let, let me let me stop you and ask you there about the relics, because when I read that in your message to me, it made me kind of step back for a second. weren't you at least a, Were you a little bit concerned about collecting some of these relic items that may have something connected with them? And did anything pan out? <laughs> <laughs> of that assumption of yeah. collecting some of these items.
2: No, I, I was. Okay. I, re- I really was. Because I mean, I, as I said, when I called in with that last story about the, uh, the, the creepy fog, mm-hmm. um, I don't believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll sort of develop on that a little bit later, because after hearing you and Jenny talk about it and how you felt about my experience... I perhaps don't feel quite the same way now, but my default setting has always been um, I'm fascinated by it. I wish it was true. I I want it to be true, but I just don't know if I can accept it or or for all those years, I didn't know if I was ready to. Mm -hmm. Um, But even when you you think that in your head and you you think these things can't hurt you and ghosts are not real and demons are not real and you can't really open a doorway to the other side and let things in when you've actually got these things in your office it it does make you think and you start to question it i mean one of the other things that i had in here now um have you heard of peg entwistle no Peg Entwistle. Um, she's the the ghost that haunts the Hollywood Hills, okay. um, and she's the, the lady who threw herself off of the, the H of the Hollywood sign. Okay. Um, and I was fascinated with that story, and I just wanted to get something from it, if possible, mm-hmm. to kind of look into the story for myself. I was I was researching it anyway, and I found that she she was born in Wales. Um, which is not too far from where I live. Mm-hmm. It's, I suppose it's three, four hours in the car, um, and I managed to find a a program like a theatre program, mm-hmm. and it was of one of her um, performances from from one of the more successful shows that she was in. The, the story with her is that she had a a sort of a mildly successful theatre career in uh, on Broadway. Mm-hmm and then she decided that she wanted to try hollywood she goes out to hollywood and she finds work with a, a film studio and um, even gets to star in a film and when the film's released and you'll have to forgive me I, I i can't remember what the film was called but when when it was released she was cut out of it ah. um so it was reduced basically to to you know no more than a cameo Mm-hmm. And you can imagine you know you're, you're telling all your friends you, you, you're in a Hollywood film yeah. and then when it comes out you know, she must have been devastated um, so she was destroyed by it and um, never really recovered and she took herself up to the top of the the, the H someone had left a ladder out apparently mm-hmm. climbed up and, and jumped and um, paranormal witness the Brilliant, um, creepy program. They covered it in one of their episodes, and that, thats what kind of made me remember it.
0: Okay.
2: Um, and I got this uh, this creepy relic from you know. It's not impossible that she might have held this at some point. You know, it sure. would have been sold sold in the building that she was in. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the kind of things that I've had around me that have made me. Um, Really dwell on the darker side of of, of the paranormal and, and this kind of thing.
0: Did possessing any of these relics? I mean, a, a, a program from a, a, a theater and a, a play that a woman was in who who this happened. One thing, and that's that's very interesting to have for, as far as a piece of history. But then having the cloak of what you know from a uh, you know well-known witch that seems to yeah. be a little bit more on a totally different level as far as what could be going on uh, with that object did having any of these items in your possession ever manifest any sort of paranormal activity in your world
2: well i mean it depends on your interpretation i'm a fairly I'm fairly hard to impress when it comes to you know as as I said before you know I've seen this creepy thing in the middle of the road and and had Peter James telling me you know what he thought it might be and all, all these years later it took for you and Jenny to sort of say, Well, you know, that's as close as you're gonna get. You, yeah. ghosts don't come along with a with a ID and say
0: hi, you know. Yeah, I, you, you yeah. got it pretty good in front of you and you're still kinda of like, Yeah, not quite sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that you know, it kind of took that wake up call, I suppose, to okay. to look at it afresh because it, it was a strange thing actually when I listened to the show. I listen as as a listener. I'm I'm not involved. You know, I'm not I'm not part of your show. Sure. But listening to my story on your show, it was really odd because even though it was my story, I could kind of think of it as I do all the other stories that I'd heard. And for the first time I saw it a little bit a little bit differently and you know came to the conclusion that perhaps I'd been a little bit harsh on you know, maybe I'm too sceptical is what I'm trying to say. Maybe there was more to that than than I've sort of allowed my mind to accept. You know, I suppose in a way it's frightening, isn't it, if you accept that that was something paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you, you sort of lose control a little bit because if that was something paranormal, then presumably it could happen at any time, you know it could happen in your home. It could happen when you walk into to the shops. It could happen in your car. Sure. Um, so it made me think about it again. But going back to your question, did anything happen? Um, I suppose the, the scariest thing to happen when when it arrived at my house, um, the the post lady was quite used to. Delivering different packages to me.
0: Um, it's another relic. <laughs>
2: yeah, and she was quite quite chirpy, you know. Oh, you've got another one. And she came to the door. I, I knew what it was because that was the thing that I was expecting. Uh huh. Um, and I was a bit surprised at how heavy it was, and it had been sent to me in like a um, I think it was a cutlery box. Um, from Tesco's or something, you know, that's a, a British supermarket, Um mm-hmm. bit sort of shabbily wrapped up, so I unwrapped it all and got it out, and it was in a plastic bag inside this box. Um, and the first thing that hit me was the smell. Um, it was like a an essential oil, maybe patchouli, something like that. So this wafted straight out, and I thought that was... Odd, but you know, maybe the guy used a lot of patchouli.
0: Maybe he smoked um, a lot of pot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to maybe.
2: cover up could, the smell a lot. Could, could have been that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so that that sort of hit me right off, and I did consider about touching it. I thought, you know, is it wise to actually put my hands on it? What if, mm. what if curses are real? This was a witch, and this was actually somebody. Mm-hmm. Alex Sanders, If you read up on him, he was somebody that did curse his enemies mm-hmm. um, Alex Sanders had you know really bitchy catfights with all and sundry and if, if people really peed him off mm-hmm. um, he would put curses on them. you know he would wish a curse upon you where your face would be covered in warts or he'd wish a curse upon you where you'd, you'd get a terrible illness or mm-hmm. so a very vindictive witch for, for some of his existence it, towards the end as, as I understand it he, he sort of regretted that outlook and started to use his powers for, if you believe in that sort of thing use his powers for, for good and and to help people and to teach people mm-hmm. but for a large part of, of, of his life he used it for selfish purposes and believed apparently that that he could affect someone's well-being and their prosperity in life and love and, and this kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it all kind of was in my head. Um, I was thinking about it, you know, as I was handling this thing. Um, and it was unnerving. It was a bit a bit creepy. Um, if I describe it to you, it's like a, a very long... Um, cloak with a hood and at the bottom of it, like along the hem, it's got a, a Paisley pattern, like a ribbon of, of Paisley across the bottom, quite tatty, old, you know, a few holes in it. Sure. Um I mean it is it is old. He died in nineteen eighty eight. Okay. And it was then passed on to his partner, a man called Derek. And it gets even more creepy still because Derek, um he was, he died under mysterious circumstances, and they believe that it was to do with an occult ritual down in uh, Hastings. And as I started to read up on that, this guy was found on the beach, um, drowned, mm-hmm. and uh, they actually arrested some people for murder. Um, ultimately, the coroner recorded an open verdict, but. It was in the, the newspapers and on the television about how it was a ritual killing and, you know, connected to black magic and, mm-hmm. you know, they had a real field day with that one. But so yeah, this it's a very dark, dark item. Um, but that's why I forced myself to, to kinda of go after it because I I want to know. You know how did you get
0: how did you get this item? Was it something that just popped up on eBay one day or <laughs>
2: <laughs> it it basically came from a retiring witch there was okay. i found this this witch who had a huge collection of um of of very strange items you okay. know and, and he had a few bits and pieces that he'd collected from alexanders sure and um some of it was his teaching material and i just i happened to get this this piece there was another piece that i i thought about buying mm mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't in the end I just got this but um yeah I've not um I've not told my my family sort of exactly what it is because I think it would probably <laughs> creep them out a little bit too much so it's hanging in, in my office like with you know next to my coat at the back of the room <laughs> but
0: uh, yes it's something like we got at JC it was yeah. uh, it was on clearance uh, but in, it, the, in the cape it, section
2: yeah. but but it didn't end there that uh, a couple of things did occur after I sort of put it into the office. The, okay. The first thing, and I, you, you can put this down to, um, you know, the sense of presence. If you, if you know there's something creepy behind you, then you you instantly, you're thinking about it all the time. And I would sit here at nighttime, and I often work and write quite late. And, you know, just occasionally I would think, oh, you know, and I would hear something, and it would be like a rustling. It would be, And we've got a little cat, and she creeps in sometimes so that's not unusual at all but when it was happening she wasn't in the room and I started to close the door and it was still occurring and you know things do move about in, in a closet even when th- there's nothing to move them around things just move with you know the walls kind of uh, getting hot and cold and expanding whatever but it happened just a few too many times to to kind of be comfortable with um and knowing that alexander's robe was in the in the closet didn't help um, and you know you you would just get the feeling that there was somebody behind you and I, often i would resist the temptation to turn around i felt silly because mm-hmm. you know i knew i was in the room on my own but that was kind of the whole point of this project you know to see what would happen you know so, if you if you had these creepy items around you Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know this is exactly the sort of thing you're looking for so I just recorded it and tried to go about my daily business um, until two even more creepy things happened and one of them really did spook me and um, I'll see what you make of it my my daughter um, has got like a a little statue of a ballerina and it's like a not porcelain, but you know that the kind of resin that looks like um, looks like glass, but it's not. Sure. And and the hands raised over the head, you know, pretty thing. Anyway, yep. I go up to the to the room one day to you know make a bed and up whatever, and I noticed that the the hand on the ballerina was missing. So the hand that she holds above her head—I've I've got a photograph. I can show you what I mean because it's hard to describe it. But so the hand she's she's raised above her head—that hand's missing. Mm-hmm. So the little cat that we've got is often knocking things off shelves, and you know, and things do get broken. You know, she's broken several things in mine So I thought maybe that's what had happened. So I'm looking around for the the hand and uh, can't find it. Can't find it. So. I forgot about it for a while. I didn't talk to my daughter about it. Didn't really get a chance to to mention it. And, um, you know, perhaps it was best that I didn't anyway. And then one night I'm sitting down in the office, you know, where I'm sitting right now and typing away. And um, I just got that sense again that there was somebody behind me. So I I sit and I kind of let it ride and stop what I'm writing and start writing about the feelings that I'm having and what what it might be and all this sort of stuff. And I kind of leant back in my chair just to get a bit more comfortable and to really take in, you know, what am I feeling? You know, is it the pipes? Is it a sound from outside? I'd been watching a documentary about infrasound and somebody was explaining that, if, if the, the sort of um, the infrasound in your home is, is a certain level, then it can induce, you know, paranoia and this kind of thing. So I was thinking about everything. And I just saw out of the corner of my eye something white. And it drew my eyes down to the floor. So I'm looking on the floor. And I kid you not, I get goosebumps just saying it and maybe the cat put it there you know maybe maybe somehow it got stuck in the bottom of my shoe and it got there but down by my foot was the hand the um the ballerina's hand and uh i picked it up i put it on the counter and uh it was a little bit um a little bit grimy like black blackened not burned black but but smudged like there was something sticky on it
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, maybe foolishly I rubbed that off and I, I set it back on the desk and took a photograph of it and I just didn't know what, what to say to my daughter about it so I didn't want to sort of say oh you know something creepy happened with the ballerina so I just sort of casually said oh did you break the the ballerina, did it fall off the, off the the shelf? And she said, no, I didn't know anything about it. So she didn't know, my, my wife didn't know, and that was, was what happened. I mean, whether it was paranormal or not, I don't know, but it, it certainly spooked me.
0: I think you should have sat her and said, you know, honey, daddy's been collecting capes from evil people, and we think... Daddy thinks that maybe there's a curse going on right now, and it broke your ballerina's hand, and there was ectoplasm on the hand when it appeared to daddy suddenly on the floor... (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah. if everybody okay. moves out me just, here.
0: just our neighborhood demon that's all no that's really interesting um, That I mean I, I, I do kind of wonder what that was that was on it um, you know where you found it on the ground it was kind of sticky I mean having little kids everything in your house obviously gets kind of sticky but when that thing showed up on the ground that's you know Ectoplasm is something. Obviously, it's something you hear in Ghostbusters, but it's something that that does occur with hauntings um, and objects that that tend to appear or or reappear. Actually, and in your case, uh, they they tend to have some sort of residue on it, and that's that is essentially what that is.
2: I, I've got to say, I, I do feel really silly for having wiped it off. I mean, you know, if somebody was still going to examine it, though, I think that. Yeah, there would probably still be a trace, you know, if if, sure. if there was there was some ectoplasmic expert yeah. that, that would like to have a look at it, I, w- I would happily share it with them. Well, Egon um,
0: died this year. So
2: he did. He did. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's sad. Um, let's talk more about the, the book Ghosty Leaks before we uh, before we have to get going here, because I, I know you have 13 tales in there. Can you give us because uh, we talked about about the one on the show or you actually gave us a story about the one on the show before about the uh, the officer. Um, can you give us uh, a little taste of another tale that that you would say, you know, really kind of made you made you step it back, maybe got you a little bit closer to believing?
2: Yeah, um, the other one that really got me closer to believing happened much more recently than that um, that Essex um, fog incident. Um, and it nearly didn't happen at all because of my Cynical outlook. Whenever I hear that a place is the most haunted this or the most haunted that, mm-hmm. I tend to think, "Bull," you know, because <laughs> it's it's a really good way, isn't it, to make make wow. money and you know and it, to get people to.
0: It just happens to be a bed and breakfast as well.
2: It, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I'll confess, I love visiting those places, but I always do it with a pinch of salt, and sure. you know, you sort of know what you what to expect. So there's this place um about an hour from where i live and it's called pluckley and uh pluckley has got the the reputation and and the title of being the most haunted village in england mm-hmm. um and i always thought that it was just another shady ghost story you know like bawley rectory you know the harry price um debacle yeah. and uh I, I'm quite dismissive of things like that, which, which is wrong. is supposed to be giving it a chance, but that's the way I felt. But I decided to give Pluckley a chance and rather than, you know, have it fed to me, where you, you'll go along with somebody like a medium or, or a guide who will kind of, you know, push theories on you and push experiences on you. I thought, no, I'm going to eliminate all of that and I'm going to run my own mini ghost walk for my friends mm-hmm. um, and we'll go along and make our own minds up so I researched it and um, read into the background and all the, the the stories and this sort of thing and then we all made our way down there to have last orders at the the, the local pub it's called the Black Horse um, and apparently they're supposed to have a poltergeist as well
0: mm-hmm.
2: and We went down and you know they rang the bell for last orders. We finished up and we started to look around the the village. And there were quite a few places on my list. And the first one's right next door. It's a it's a haunted church. It's called St Nicholas's Church and it's about 900 years old. So you know you can imagine really creepy. And the story in there is of a a sort of a lady in red and she's she was buried in a a vacuum sealed coffin apparently and uh, walks the the graveyard well we didn't see her and we didn't see the ghost of a of a dog that apparently a phantom dog that runs through the the, the, the tombstones so we moved on um to another location uh and there, there are so many they call it the most haunted village in England because there are there's literally a story for every for every corner um But it was what happened to us happened, kind of off off the radar because, as we were walking from one location to another, we and it was late. You know, we're we're talking, you know, midnight after midnight, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, A a typical English. Hamlet, a tiny village with no street lighting. Once you come away from the the pub and and that kind of thing, and the church, there there is no street lighting. So it's literally you can't see your hand in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're kind of you know ambling along, trying to find this this next place. I think the next place we were looking for was called Fright Corner, and it's where a highwayman is meant to have been uh, killed. Um. And we started walking down this. Uh, this this road, and on the right was a big open field, and it was as if somebody flicked a switch because it was complete silence, and we, we were trying to be very quiet because we didn't want to get in trouble. Um, you know, they're quite wealthy um, and well-to-do people in that village, and they don't take to ghost hunters, you know, very very sure. warmly. So we were really really being quiet and, and polite um, but all of a sudden from the field or maybe just above the field it was almost like walking past a playground um, I don't know if you've ever walked past you know when, when the kids are on their lunch break mm-hmm. And I it just reminded me of the, the times when I've gone to you know to see my my daughter in the playground and she's there kind of screaming and wailing and playing and laughing. that's what we could hear and we sort of looked at each other and scratched our heads and and stood there and there was time to take it in. It wasn't sort of a blink vi uh, scenario. Um, it happened and I you know I stood there and I thought, I wonder if. the the residents of this little village have got cross with so many people coming here all the time that this is some kind of trick you know this is like a little flip switch to kind of (laughs) to spook us and it seemed more likely than sort of phantom children you know and uh, so I just I kept the thought to myself and uh, I'm I'm looking around and and trying to look for a shadow a, a face in the field And there was just, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. It it was impossible to see where the sound was coming from. Um, And I I still don't know how it happened. You know, the the logical part of me says, well, sound travels, you know, in strange ways across open spaces. And it, you know, it was late, it was pitch dark, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was creepy and, you know, of all the things that I've encountered, and, and there have been many, I would say, I would say eighty percent are just you know, nonsense. You can you can write it off, but the remaining percentage, and then a tiny, tiny little three percent, are absolutely weird, and that one falls in the in the in the totally totally weird box.
1: Okay, Um, my question for you. What is it going to take before you stop being a skeptic? Because you've had some really good experiences. I mean, we hear stories... Every day, from people all over the world, and I say two of yours are up there. Yeah. So I'd be I'd be a believer if I were you. They're
0: showing themselves to you in the fog. They're making fog. There's ghosts. They're children. making sounds. <laughs> yeah. Um. And you're just kind of like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not sure if I've got
2: proof. No, I know. I I, I it, get that. And, it it and is kind scary of it.
0: It's scary to think about, you know, if this is real, because it it kind of puts everything into perspective that you've experienced.
2: Yeah. I mean, and what does it mean for for life? You know, what does it mean for what we don't understand about the universe? And, you know, if it's real, and if what I heard was... I don't know the voices of a of a bombed school that that was destroyed during World War Two, and I don't know that that, that place ever existed. Certainly, mm-hmm. I, I never read up about anything like that. But if it if it is that, you know, that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, you know that that it would be possible that anyone could be in pain for that long. Sure. It, you know, it, it it just it boggles the mind, and I think that's why I find it so hard to to accept that it that it could be true because it, it, it's so much more likely that there's a prankster on that road who is totally fed up with <laughs> you know the endless you know coach loads of people coming trying to find the ghosts yeah. and Okay. but so yeah you know that that was a creepy night and probably that was one of the, the scariest things to happen um, and as I say it's in my top my top three percent which is why it, it made the book but I, sh- I should just say initially ghosty Leagues was supposed to be just my my creepy stories that, that were kind of dreamt up out of my head and all these crazy things that that pop into my head while I'm investigating the real stuff Mm-hmm but it was coming on to the, the show um, you know and in a way thank you to you that made me realize that I had to put some of the the true stuff in there as well mm-hmm. um, so ghost leaks is a mixture it's a mixture of the the creepy stories that mm-hmm. that I dreamt up and there's one of them I've put onto my my Twitter page that you can listen to but but it's also the real stuff that kind of inspires it
0: what is your Twitter uh, what's your Twitter name
2: it's, it's ghosty leaks. It, leaks. It, it? it is go- ghosty leaks. Yeah. Uh, uh, just, but just before I came on, actually, I checked on uh, Amazon and it was number 12 in the bestsellers. So awesome. another, another buzz um, for me. Cause I was quite nervous about coming on, but I'm, it looks like I'm doing something right, so fingers it's, crossed.
0: It looks like a good book to check out. It's called Ghosty Leaks, 13 Terrifying Tales Leaked from the Other Side. Uh, M.J. Peter, the author, and that's obviously who we've been talking with. Thank you for sharing with us this evening. Thank you for being a listener of the show, and please do keep uh, running in and contributing uh, your experiences because we love to hear them.
2: Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely brilliant, and I'll speak to you both again soon. Right, thank, okay, you. thank
0: you. Take you take care. Thanks. All right, so in the middle of the night in the UK, uh, staying up to talk to us. So uh, that was that was pretty cool.
1: That is so nice.
0: <sighs> wow. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a tough cookie to crack as far as believing in some of this stuff.
1: You know, his story about the ballerina's hand. I just don't have a good feeling about that. I think it's almost a metaphorical kind of thing, like something. <laughs> a sign?
0: Yeah, yeah, like
1: something saying it's It's like a play on on the fragility of the daughter. Mm-hmm. And, look, I can get into her room and I can break these little things like nothing. Yeah, I just don't have a good feeling about that,
0: yeah, I don't think uh, a relic collection is necessarily the best thing to, uh, to start taking out. But I totally get where he's coming from, though, where it's like if he starts to think, Maybe the stuff is real. Then he realizes he has a whole room full of these things. It's like, oh, those aren't exactly trinkets from Kmart. You know, right. It's uh, these are very dark objects. But uh, I, I think, I, don't know, I, I hope everything works out just fine for him and nothing dark ever occurs with him. But I, I could see some sort of event happening in his life. Hopefully nothing bad or or, or hurtful or anything like that, but some sort of scare with one of these objects, it makes him go, "Okay, this stuff is real." Done and then with there'll the be objects. one
1: heck of a sale on eBay.
0: Exactly, and and uh, the postmaster will never come back to his home again. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing on with real ghost stories online for today, uh, let's go to a caller with a real ghost story that would like to be shared. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is a phone number to call in. By the way, with your real ghost story. Hi.
5: Hi, Tony and Jen. This is Ann again. I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. I didn't mention that last time I called. I wanted to call with this story. Um, it happened, uh, well, it started on February 13, 1969, when I was 11 and a half years old. But to bed as usual, and I had this dream, and I saw this black void and an image of my mother in it. And this voice would repeat a manner of death, like car accident, and then her image would collapse, and then it would reappear normal, and another manner of death would be repeated, and never the same one twice. It was always different, like poison. I remember poison once, and her image would collapse, and then it would reappear normal and another manner of death. And this went on about four or five times during this dream. And the next morning I woke up and I was, you know, pretty upset about it. But I just decided it was a weird dream. I had no reason to think that my 36-year-old working mother, anything would happen to her, you know. So um, the next night on February 14th, I went to bed as usual again. And same dream. Um, and always a different manner of death would never be repeated from night to night or from, you know, collapse to collapse. It was always a different manner of death. And this night, it was a little bit longer. Other than that, it was, you know, the same. February 15th, I go to bed as usual, same dream, except this time is longer. And always, again, different manner of death. February 16th, again, same dream. This time it seemed like it was all night long and it really upset me. I woke up actually and my mom always was watching johnny carson downstairs and i went downstairs and i said to her mom i had a dream you died and she said come here and and sat me on her lap and cuddled me up and told me everything was okay and and i got tired sat there for a while with her and then i went to bed and everything was fine the next day february 17th i went to bed and I had a different dream. I dreamt that I was standing in the viewing room of a funeral home. And, and this was one of those dreams that seemed like so real. I don't know if you've ever had a dream that seems really real, but this one did. And I, and the room was so detailed and, and stuff. And I was curious who was in the casket. And I walked up to the coffin. And it was my mother in there. And then all of a sudden we switched places and I was in the coffin and she was looking down at me. And then we switched again and she'd be in the coffin and I'd be looking at her, and then the dream ends. And then the next night, the 18th, I went to bed as usual and had the same dream, except this time I started outside the right outside the door of the funeral home and I walked in there's a big open area and a viewing room to my left a viewing room to the right and I went into the one on the left and it was the same one I was in the night before and I walked back up to the casket again and again my mother's in there and we sit and switch places like this then the dream was a little longer than the night before February 19th uh, 18th same dream longer I don't know if I mentioned that I don't know what date I'm I'm getting confused but the 19th uh, this will be the third night of the funeral home dream. Same thing, except a little longer. This time I'm walking down the sidewalk into the door and go into the funeral home viewing room and see my mom. And we sit and switch places in the casket. And this, like, lasted all night. February twentieth, at the morning of, my mom always dropped me off at school. <clears throat> and so, and she would drop me off in the parking lot and I would walk down a little bit of ways. To the parking lot and down a flight of stairs to the door of the school and she would wait till I was usually out of sight. This time she said goodbye to me. She waved goodbye and kept saying bye from the car until I was out of sight. Well, she never did. She usually only said goodbye one time. And then she went off to the hairdresser to get her hair done for a party that she was going to that night. And she passed away under the hairdryers. I I know. She had a cardiac arrest. Her heart stopped. She took two deep breaths and died. Dead cold right there and then. And so that was a really crazy thing that happened. And a little, I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but it's kind of interesting. 25 years later, I went in there to get a haircut. I just guess I just needed to connect with her or that. I don't know what it was, but I just need to go in there. And the ladies cut my hair, and she goes, God, do you look familiar. And I go, well, I'm, I haven't been in here in, you know, 25 years. My mom And I told them, you know, my mom had been friends with a guy who owned this salon and, and saw him before he even owned this salon and stuff, and I talked to her about it. And I go, in fact, I go, she died right over there under your hair dryers. And the woman dropped her comb and scissors and said, I was here that day that's my story Tony and Jen thank you bye bye
0: death at the beauty shop
1: that is that is amazing that you can tell that story to us now I mean I think I would have a hard time telling that story no matter how many years later it was to have premonitions and a dream of my mother's death and then it actually happening I think I'd be afraid to go to sleep for the rest of my life
0: you know this is gonna sound really horrible but and and i'm not happy her mother died by any means that's never anything you wish on anyone but for the sake of the story as it was progressing where and i had this dream and i had this dream and i had this dream and then i had this dream i was thinking if this thing ends with like and nothing happened that's my story i would have been really let down so it had a good ending as far as a ghost story.
1: Goes. Oh, my God. That is horrible to say. But you know what I'm saying? I'm not... Well, you knew the story was going somewhere. No, you didn't. Yes, you did. Uh, not She's always. She's not going to lead up to and nothing happened. The, she that's would not-
0: happened on some stories we've gotten before where you're like, that's it? Really? <laughs>
1: I was just taken back by how the mother passed away there in the beauty salon. I am too. I was fully thinking it was going to be a car accident or something. I mean, not that any way it's easier than another, but that was a twist I didn't see
0: coming. I wonder, and this, uh, I'm not trying to be morbid here, but I'm wondering, um, maybe she could elaborate on this a little bit. When she actually did go to her mother's funeral, was it very reminiscent of the dreams? Like, did it, was the setting the same as what she envisioned it in those dreams? How accurate was the actual funeral to what the dreams were? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, were the same flowers there that she had in her dreams as a casket the same? Was the setting the same? Because there's a lot of ways a funeral could look. Um, I wonder about that a little bit. But clearly, it very much was some sort of a premonition. Yeah. That, and, and honestly, I'm normally not super hot on dream stories um, if they don't actually have some sort of end to them in physicality Uh because to me it's like it's a dream Uh, unless there actually is a true connection that we can pinpoint this was a true connection that we could pinpoint
1: well yeah i like
0: dream stories i do when they go somewhere and and they actually do connect and this really connected
1: you're just weird on your dream you like you like nightmares and you like dreams but i like a good communication yeah. with the, the other side dream story. When it can
0: be val- valid. Like if you're talking to a dead loved one and they told you something that only they would know and suddenly you're reiterating this to a family member going, did did Aunt Maggie ever talk about this or that? Oh my God, yeah. How did you know about it? I tried to, she can't me in a dream. Okay, there we go. Validity, full circle. That's, that's a good dream story. When it's like, oh, they told me about this but no one can validate that this was even true. I mean, that's where it's kind of like, ah, uh, how do you know? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I think it depends on the person that has the dream, because they're going to be able to tell if it's more real than their normal dreams are. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: You know, it's hard for me. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I guess, you know, from a uh, psychological st- uh, standpoint, I, I can understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But to me, all of my dreams are the same as far as real level. I I don't have ones that seem more real than others. They all seem pretty damn real to me. Until I can actually... Until something odd happens in them, that's when I know I'm dreaming. I mean, until there's some weird technicality, like a car goes flying or something. It's just something that's not a natural occurrence in real life. Okay. Um, Or I'm typing on a phone and I can't get the numbers. Something will occur where I go, this is... I might be dreaming. Then, okay. But until that point... It seems very, very vivid to me. So I don't have like different levels. Uh, do you have different levels?
1: Yeah, because really? there's times where things are just bizarre, and I realize, oh, this is just one of those bizarre dreams. Like
0: I, I don't used, get those. I, wish I, I used I did. to have
1: this weird dream when I was in high school that I had facial hair. That I would get facial hair no matter how much I shaved it off, it would come right back.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: I, I knew I was dreaming, but it was very frustrating at the same time.
0: I have dreams where I have hair back.
1: Oh God, that would scare me.
0: And it's like, oh my God, this is awesome. I have hair and I'm like trying to figure out the ways I can style it. And like having hair, it's just this amazing concept. And, I'm, and then all of a sudden I wake up I'm like, damn, still no hair. Yeah. I have to do those chest hair plugs into my No,
1: I still like you without (laughs) hair. I think, I I mean, our listeners don't realize when we met, you had almost no hair on top and just a little bit on the back and then you gave up and started shaving all of it. But I
0: thought I did. That was the thing.
1: You thought you had more hair than you did.
0: (laughs) I did. It was one of those things where I look in the mirror and I go, I look like I have hair. But then I look at myself in a picture and I'm like, God, where did my hair go? Yeah. It's that flash.
1: It would just be weird to see you with hair.
0: Yeah, I had it for so long though. Anyway, eight
4: five five eight five three forty eight zero two. Hi, hey Tony, this is BC Gamer from YouTube. Just driving to work, I took my kids to school, and we listening to the podcast this morning, and uh, I wanted to uh, call in and relay uh, a story that happened to me uh, as a child living in Ohio. Uh, it's kind of a running joke in my family. We talk about this thing called the fruit head man and, uh, it, it, it something that really happened to me. It happened, uh, actually to my, my older brother, uh, in 1984, 1985, somewhere in that area. We were living in a little house in Akron, Ohio on Marie Terrace and I had this imaginary friend and, uh, well, I, I thought it was imaginary anyway. Uh, this thing would come out of the closet. I would see the clothes move in the closet and uh, it would come from in between whatever was hanging up. And it was, you know, it was about four foot tall. It was taller than I was, uh, but I I thought it was made out of fruit because of the way it looked. It had really skinny arms, skinny legs, and a real slim body And its head. I thought was like a melon. So I I called it Fruit Head Man. And um, it would come out and talk to me. It came out on numerous occasions. And you gotta take it into account, back then I was a big fan of shows like Fraggle Rock, so in my mind, things like this could possibly exist. Uh, this thing would come out and it would ask me questions about why my mom was you know, doing certain things and why she was you know, uh, reciting verses to us out of the Bible. My mom used to always uh, give us a verse every night before we went to sleep, and, and that's one thing I remember this thing asking me about. Uh, But it would come out all the time, and usually, well, always, I was by myself, and uh, I called it the fruit head, man. This thing even admitted to that. It told me that it was fruit head, and and that's what it was, and so I thought everything was fine. Uh, The day in particular when this story actually happened, uh, I was sitting on the the side of my bed. We had a bunk bed, me and my older brother, and... uh, This thing came out of the closet. I was talking to it, and I was sitting on the bed. My feet were hanging off the side. I wasn't tall enough to actually have my feet on the ground. But it was standing in front of me and talking, and it seemed so whimsical. It seemed like something out of a fairy tale, this big, giant head thing standing there and looking at me, talking to me. And um, I remember, like, yesterday, all right? My older brother, Joe, he walked in. Now, Joe is 17 months older than I am, so this let me know I wasn't going crazy. Joe walked into the room uh, when this thing was standing there talking to me. And uh, Joe came in from the, from the right corner, and the fruit head man was standing right in front of me, and Joe saw it. And uh, I had never been afraid of this thing, ever, uh, until this time. Joe saw this thing and froze and looked at it, and Joe was probably about six at the time. He looked at it and he froze, and he immediately turned around to run for the door uh, now this stuff i'm telling you i swear to god it's true i don't care what people say i've I told my friends and co-workers for years about this story everybody's like yeah right but everybody remembers it my brother remembers it my mom dad remember it so I turned around to run for the door now we had a little single seat uh, sofa at the foot of our bed it was at the bottom of the bed this sofa slid i swear directly in front of the door and as i was watching this i feel like i, I I feel like now I was watching a movie or something because of the way everything happened. The sofa slid in front of the door before Joe even started you know, to run for the door. So it was a big sofa that we couldn't move. We were little kids. Joe jumped on the sofa and started screaming for my mom. Okay, my mom and my dad were home. Now this is a, a town home we lived in. So we were upstairs and we had a lock at the very top of our door. It was one of those old school chain locks that you grab the bottom of the chain and you put it in the slot that locked by itself okay I'm still sitting on the bed I'm kind of in shock at this at this moment this thing had had his back turned to me at this time it was looking at my brother Joe turned around on the sofa and he put his head between his legs he brought his knees up to his face he wrapped his arms around his calves and he started screaming okay at this time I started to get scared for the very first time because (laughs) I started to realize that, hey, look, this thing is not supposed to be here. Something's wrong. And so I got that, you know, hair stand on the back of my neck sensation. I jumped up and I ran past the fruit head man. I ran past him as quickly as I could. I jumped on the sofa next to my brother and I helped him. You know, we started screaming together for my mom. Now this thing walked up to us and I had seen it, you know, on previous occasions. So I wasn't as afraid afraid of it It as Joe was it walked up to us and it was trying to calm us down and it, thinking about the way it looked now it looked like it was fake the way that his body was moving it—it it, it's really creepy but it was standing in front of us maybe about two or three feet away and it was looking at us with intent and it was looking at me primarily and telling me just calm down telling him to calm down at this time my mom is coming through the top of the stairs coming towards our door so this thing starts to back up the fruit head man he backed up and started to uh, go around the corner to, uh, to the closet so he went into the closet and uh, now uh, it's so funny uh, thinking about it my mom started to, to uh, beat on the doorway and um, she uh, hit the door really hard and she kind of cracked it and she saw the chain at the top of the door was locked now keep in mind me and my brother was five and six years old uh, or either that or four and a half and, and six somewhere in that area and she saw this chain at the top of the door that was locked. And then she saw that the, the side of this little single-seat sofa was in front of the door. So she started to panic. She started to scream for my dad and was telling my dad that somebody had broke into our window upstairs and somebody was in our room. Anyway, my dad, he's a big guy like me. He, he came upstairs, and by this time, my mom was really jimmying this door trying to get whatever you know was in front of it out of the way. Uh, and my dad hit the door a couple of times. He broke the chain and, and pushed the sofa out of the way. Joe turned around and like jumped Spring Hill Jack style into my mom's arms and uh, you know, I was crying too, but he was hysterical for a real long time, my older brother. He he was really traumatized by that. And uh, my mom came asking, what was it? And, and the only thing I I would tell us is the fruit head, man, because to me, that's what it was. It was this thing that would come out of the closet and uh, it would talk to me. It never harmed me, it never tried to, you know, do anything like to scare me. But when my brother saw it, that was the last time that I saw it. When my older brother saw it. And it's funny, it's kind of a running joke in my family. We talk about the fruit head man from time to time. My brother, he's thirty six and he still remembers it now. You know, we talk about it. He's a really straight laced guy, so I know I'm not insane. He's, and he says, Yeah, Brett, you know, for that time in our life I know that there was something crazy out there, something otherworldly, uh, you know, exists among the shadows so I really want to know what you guys think about this story I want you know to hear from the rest of the the podcast listeners what they think this thing could have possibly been thanks for the opportunity to tell it I'm happy I got a, a platform to let everybody know about this kind of stuff this is the BC Gamer from YouTube and I'll talk to you guys next time
1: I think your poor mother had her hands full with you two boys because I, the last story you told us is about a shadow man that you and your brother had to deal with and it slammed the door and it caught your head in the door. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Oh, man, you guys had it rough when you were little, but um, I'm just thinking your house had something demonic in it and it was showing itself in a couple of different forms.
0: That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like something that's not so good. It was trying to essentially gain your trust and hopefully do just that uh, and then probably try and go further. But I think whatever happened, it it went away for whatever reason. But I think it, it was trying to take the form of something of... You know, what you would affectionately call Fruithead Man. And, sure. I mean, if, you know, if you like puppies, it would have been Puppy Man, you know. Or, if you know, if you like the Easter Bunny, you would have had an Easter Bunny ghost running around your house, which would have been just really creepy.
1: Yeah, that would have been.
0: But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's what I think it was. I think it was something dark and uh, <laughs> you lucked out. Yeah. It went away. Uh, there's still a lot of cases where these things do not just go away peacefully into the night. Uh, Thank you for the call. We really appreciate it. 855-853-4802. We'll do one more call before we wrap up the show for today. Hello.
3: Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Carrie. Um, I want to apologize for calling so close to when I called before, but something just happened, and um, I really needed to tell somebody. Um, So my last call, which you've not played yet, I was sick, and I've... Sick. I've not been getting any better and in fact today I ended up going out to the ER because my doctor was not open um I really hate going to stuff like that alone and uh you know my mom I was a mommy's girl and she was a registered nurse when she was alive and she would take me if I needed to go or you know calm me down about things or be my advocate if she didn't feel like I was getting the proper treatment etc and um As I'm sitting out there, and the guy is getting me in the computer, you know, I'm telling him I wish he was here with me today, because he had actually worked with her at one point. And my phone, which was sitting with my stuff uh, on the desk, not being touched, started going off. And the thing that it was playing was a sound that my mom, or that my grandma had recorded of my mom laughing. My mom had the most brilliant just belly laugh and you couldn't help but laugh with her when she laughed and um, when she died for some reason I had a problem remembering her laughter. I know it was just the grieving process but my grandma sent that to me. It's not a ringtone. It's not anything. It's just saved on my phone and my phone started laughing. It was my mom laughing and... (laughs) I'm sorry. I reached over and I tried to turn the phone off and I'm hitting the power button and it would not power off and it would not turn off until I literally had to take the battery out of my phone to get it to stop. It didn't scare me. I just think that that was kind of my mom's way of saying, you know what, I am here with you right now. So it is really a beautiful thing and I apologize that I'm getting emotional, but um, I just wanted to share that.
1: So Thanks. Bye. Carrie, thank you for your call again. And I would get emotional, too. I know that um, I don't believe your mom's been gone very long from your other stories. Do you remember Carrie's the one who um, mom, the, the girl that was possessed, tried to kind of latch on
3: to yes. her. And, yes. then,
1: and then she called back and kind of filled us in on her early life mm-hmm. with, with the dad, that. Or the stepdad, or or somebody that tried to um, hold the gasoline over her to yep, set her yep, on yep, fire. Yep, yep, so yep. yeah, that's that's our friend Carrie. Okay. So good story. I think it was just your mom just trying to say, "Hey, I'm with you." Especially with yeah. your if you're sick and you're in the ER, just that's probably when she would have been with you anyway.
0: Yeah, that's a really good story. It is, and we're leaving the show on a good note today.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not
0: a dark, evil. Let's see, can I find a good demonic? Stop. That's a good story to end the show with. So thank you for the call, Carrie. Really appreciate you uh, thinking of us, you know, in a moment like that to call in and, and share, share your story with us. We really do appreciate that. So, uh, thank you again. The phone number is 855-853-4802. If you'd like to share your real ghost story with us, that's the quickest way to get your real ghost story on the air. So please do give us a buzz. If you're not an EPP yet, please become one. It helps support the show and keep the wind at our sails and the show going. Literally, uh, it uh, covers our hard costs of uh, putting the show out for you. It's only five bucks a month. Get a bonus episode every single week for being an EPP. Uh, and uh, the satisfaction knowing you are uh, supporting the show and letting it continue onward. Uh, so please check it out and click on the Become an EPP button on our website, RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.